Fendi, like the bag. <laughs> this is the Ivory Fuse Podcast. Welcome back to the Ivory Fuse Podcast. This is Mr. Fox. I know we're about a few days into Black History Month, and I know I promised you the proper kickoff to Black History Month. However, just this week alone, probably two or three days into Black History Month, there was a story that came out online about the case of Taylor Young. Now, remember... Two, two or so episodes ago, I was talking about the black woman that lived in Bridgeport, Connecticut, um, that went on the Bumble date back in December and ended up dead the next day. Well, this is another strange case um, involving another black person um, who... Interestingly enough, was last seen around the same time. Um, different city, though. So, Taylor Young was a 25-year-old Houston man who had been missing since December. Uh, he was last seen December the 9th, driving a 2019 silver, silver Honda Civic in the area of 1600 block of South Boss Road in Houston, Texas. Taylor Young went to work one day, decided to go out for lunch on his lunch break on that day. Fast forward to January 19th. January 2022 and they find his body in the trunk of his own car in an impound lot in Dallas, Texas. Right. So, you know, investigations with the police department in Dallas and the police department in Houston's homicide division are currently ongoing. Uh, Taylor Young was a graduate of Sam Houston State University and worked in accounting. Um, his mom said that she began to worry about her son when he stopped texting her back the day he vanished, saying it was unlike him to stop communicating with her. She used an app to track his phone and was able to locate it in the bushes near a bank off Boss Road. His car had also been missing the day he disappeared. Um, so far, his loved ones have used the hashtag bring Taylor home to bring attention to the case on social media. Um, I just wanted to know what happened. So his friends say... I want to know who could do something like this to him. He was proud of the things he's, he had, he accomplished. He was proud of his friends, his family. Loved to skateboard, literally always had a smile on his face. Um, this is very troubling to me. Um, this is kind of mirrors 
a case uh, that I saw on Unsolved Mysteries to 2019 where it was a very powerful political aide out of um who worked out of dc had a main house in new york and like a vacation home in i believe it was delaware right i may have mentioned this on the podcast before he across the street from his vacation home in delaware i believe they were building something, building a house. And there was record of him and his family complaining about this new construction happening on historical property or, you know, what was recorded as historical property. Um, when, a, I guess, a complaint missing persons thing was filed, you know, they started digging or researching and uh, ended up back in near the vacation house. And they saw uh, there was some kind of scuffle in his house. And across the street, there was some evidence at the place that was being constructed. They did further investigation Um, and saw, had surveillance video of him at the local convenience store walking in and looked to be like he was leaving the place with two unidentified men. Later on that same night, they saw him on surveillance in, I believe, downtown Philadelphia, or I think it was, uh, yeah, it was downtown Philadelphia, at a hotel um then they saw him at a parking garage um and then the following day there was surveillance video of him in a different set of clothes leaving the it was like a janitorial or the freight floor which i believe is the basement floor of the hotel um, there's no other footage of him leaving like an actual hotel room or anything in the hotel. He was leaving literally the industrial part where like the janitors go and get trash bags and shit like that. Um, and that was the last recorded presence or knowledge of him before he ended up in the landfill in Delaware. Still an unsolved mystery very strange um now they were able to fill in some gaps that uh he was he hitched a ride to the city to get his car um unfortunately either due to the side effects of the medication he was taking for some of the issues or just from mental fatigue, he couldn't locate his car. And in some of the surveillance footage from the garage that he was in, he looked to be paranoid. He was constantly looking over his shoulder. He was walking around the parking garage with his shoe off and missing. He was still in his suit and tie and his he still had his briefcase with him. This is this is very strange because it's like the phone in the bushes near a bank. 
Um, like it leads me to believe that perhaps he was like mugged or carjacked or the combination of both um, on either on his way to a restaurant or maybe he was in the drive through at the bank and he was accosted there. You know, whenever I go out to the ATM, like the drive through ATM, because, you know, once I got a car, I was like, I'm not doing the walk-up thing unless the ATM's broken. I'm always looking around, especially when you go to the drive-up ATMs that are standalone. Um, there's like maybe one or two lights at these standalone drive up ATMs and there's a lot of blind spots and it's dark yeah um keeping all doors locked maybe keeping the driver's side window cracked a third of the way I don't even do half um but lunchtime so I'm thinking like broad daylight he's just out here minding his business and these are just some of the theories, but it's like, that's scary to think that you go to work one day, just leave to go to maybe Jimmy John's or Subway or whatever, Chipotle, to get lunch. Don't even, probably didn't even make it to the spot. Just happen to go to the ATM to get some money. Something obviously happened between, from the time he left work to the time he his phone ended up in the bushes at a bank but to end up in the trunk of your own car in another city in an impound lot that's that's pretty scary um hopefully this investigation that is happening happened the day the missing persons report or the family filed or responded happened and not the six week gap in the case of the Taylor lady up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, Cause six weeks is more than enough time to ditch things, conveniently forget things, leave things out present a particular narrative to get the heat off of you and disappear. Um, it's unfortunate though, cause this guy was like in his mid twenties, really young and who knows what life would have been. Um, but here it is. We are like barely two months into 2022 and we're just now getting these stories uh, involving black youth who die under mysterious circumstances two in the same month um, but even more so particularly in the in the case I had mentioned earlier you know police are still slow in doing their work and it leads you to believe you know with 
these kind of cases and cases the past 10 or so years involving black youth, uh, just the apathy towards black lives and the either the need to cover it up or the the desire to move at a snail's pace um, nine times out of ten from what I've seen in my in my lifetime it's either the community but the community being so small like it can be um, it wouldn't be out of reach for me to assume or realize that cops cops particularly cops that are you know touch the inside of your palm either know through family or as in-laws or they go to a you know the country club or they play golf together or they bond over sports tend to look out for people that look like them and sometimes that goes all the way up to court cases and stuff like that and it makes you think you know is this is where we are now um and you know this is beyond like technicalities and loopholes that tend to be the case in some court cases um look at the the 15 or 16 year old kid that went to I believe it was Kenosha he was driven there by his mom with a a a military style gun on him to go to a black lives protest and started shooting people and he got off because of a law um, that is structured around what kind of gun is deemed illegal or something like that loopholes so anyway I just hope these two cases particularly the one up in Bridgeport Connecticut does not go the way I just laid out and I hope this case of Taylor Young 25 who was 25 years old and lived in Houston hope his murder in his case doesn't go the way that I just laid out um, 2021 was already wild um, by the time I caught wind of these stories um, and now that it's 2022 I just hope the tradition doesn't carry on um, you know just the past five or six years alone there's been all these mysterious deaths um, of black youth Um, especially like teenagers down in the southern states and in the Midwest who end up hanging from who wound up like being here one day mysteriously disappearing and somehow ending up hanging from a tree Um, too many names to list but that is definitely something that has been occurring a lot lately and you know there's like a brief blip you know news coverage maybe a little story here and there 
for the first couple of days and then nothing else comes out of it. Um, you don't hear any follow up or follow through. You don't hear, you know, who the suspect is. And don't and don't think I haven't forgot about Kendrick Johnson. Um who died almost ten years ago. Now, for those of you that don't know, don't know, Kendrick Johnson was a high school student that wound up upside down in a rolled up gin mat. Um, although a lot of people assumed that he was in there um, digging for shoes or something like that. And the there is video surveillance that alludes up to the moment that He's walking towards the gym and there's like a huge gap um, leading up to the time that he was discovered. You know, there's theories that he was killed by one of the white students who had a girlfriend that was allegedly interested in Kendrick Johnson and that his dad allegedly was responsible for the doctoring indirectly or directly allegedly responsible for the doctoring of the surveillance video in the high school there's a huge chunk of video missing um you know the the only video that's been released is you show you see kendrick johnson walking down the hallway in the high school and then there's like another camera in the gymnasium that only points to a part of the gym that is outside the frame that involves the gym mat although from the story I read there were a couple of kids in the school that said it's not uncommon for kids that are in the gym or doing stuff in the gym to throw their shoes in the mat inside the rolled up gym mats um it's very interesting to me that people know that there are other kids in the gym in that second piece of the footage and nobody saw or said anything Then there was this piece later on in the last couple of years that he was connected to this, uh, allegedly to this, this white teenage couple. Half of that couple is the son of a high-ranking authority in that town, allegedly. Um, police official, allegedly. Yet here we are in 2022 and What people need to understand is that when, and I've seen this before with the Freddie Gray thing, when there's an active investigation or not, and the city or the state is feeling some heat, um, this looks to be, this case looks to be a bad look for the city or a bad look for the town 
or a bad look for the state. And it looks like it's gaining traction. Um, when the, the other side, the state, the city or whatever, um, submits a settlement amount and the family accepts it. The investigation stops, um, or there are no charges filed against, in Freddie Gray's case, the police officers or the police department, uh, criminals, civilly, blah, 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 blah. And the story dies down. So, what I f- believe happened, I could be wrong, um, FYI, is that I believe there was a settlement. And I believe to Kendra Johnson's family and allegedly, and they accepted it. Um, And no further, nothing further came out of the investigation or anything like that. I think they closed it for a while and recently opened it, I think for posturing sake. But since we like to be informative around here, as to social studies, uh, cultural studies. I'd like to share with you that little tidbit, most importantly, as to how a settlement in murder cases, loss of life cases involving black people, Ninety-eight percent of the time leads to no further investigation being done. Once a family accepts the settlement, or maybe even if there's word that a settlement is ha- has happened or is being presented, um, you know, white people that get lawyers or predominantly white factions that get lawyers, powerful factions, uh, they get their money's worth. They get their money's worth at the expense of black lives and very rarely do you see a case where it's successfully applied like loss of life of a black person murder manslaughter the maximum amount of time behind bars is applied very rare do you see that um, thankfully, Ahmad Arbery and his family got justice. Uh, Breonna Taylor did not. Uh, they tried. And I'm sure, you know, you re- if you have a newspaper or you follow the news or you follow that case, you can. that's a prime example of how the system tends to swerve when it comes to black lives. Um, you know, so many... Shots were fired, but the charges against the cops um, that was applied were for the ones that missed. And I had probably said in one of my earlier episodes, maybe last season, about how the slow progress of the case um, leading up to the official trial uh, 
was related to the city or the state's um, initiative to apply eminent domain to get uh, the lower income or poor people, black people out of those neighborhoods and out of those uh, areas so they could uh, make room for higher end residentials most likely for white people but a lot of people didn't know that um, but that's that's a prime example of how systemic racism plays into murder cases and murder stories of black people innocent black people Nevertheless, I wanted to get on here and talk about Taylor Young's case and enduring. So, you know, it's still, all the details are still relatively early, um, but I'm sure I will be discussing this later on once I get more info, information. But I wanted to highlight this case and tie it to other cases involving black people and just unsolved murders as well, but also how the authorities and how other entities behind the law and everything just never vary from the script. Um, God forbid this man's life and what happened to this man doesn't play along the same lines and then end in an outcome like it did say a Freddie Gray or a Breonna Taylor or the woman in Bridgeport, Connecticut. It's funny, I remain hopeful, but as I get older, it's like I got to remain realistic as well. Um, but still open in the meantime that the law will do its, I don't know, I mean, Texas is a red state, and I'd be stupid, after all this education and all this awareness in life, that red states are not pro-black, um, which means the police, the law, as it stands, is not in favor of the black person this is mr fox the i refuse podcast uh stay hydrated stay blessed and keep your eyes on your own paper be sure to catch the i refuse podcast wherever you see us we are on streaming we are on youtube and we are on all social media platforms i refuse podcast on twitter i refuse podcast with the underscore between the words on instagram and yeah so follow subscribe love on us like we like on y'all uh i am going to drop another episode um each week this month reflecting on little known black history facts um so yeah be on the lookout for that i will catch you guys later bye